Lord, we thank you that you do sustain us. We thank you that you do bring us into each new season. We thank you, Lord, that as we bring your word, that you're already here, that you have been waiting for every lady to arrive in this place today, that you want to speak very specifically. And we just ask you, Lord, that you would just guide us now and lead us, and we just give you permission by your Holy Spirit to speak to every heart. God, we recognise we can do nothing without you, but with you nothing is impossible. So we pray, oh God, for a special word for every woman today, in Jesus' name. Um, this season really felt that God has been wanting to say that he wants to get us into position for the things that he has for us. And, you know, when Marion came and told me the other day that she felt God was leading her uh, to Monaghan and that she wouldn't be here any longer, we were sad. We were both sad. But there was that sense where, you know, at one point we just broke out and I said, oh, for goodness sake, just go in Jesus' name. You know, we just release you because that's what Eagles is all about. That's what we've always said. This is a place of healing, a place of being set aside, a place of preparation. And I know that many of you, you know, God has done great things over the years. So we just thank God for that. And so we're so blessed that, that Marion, it seemed almost like God had already begun to get the woman into position and she was almost like a prophetic sign it's already happening before we even got here today and in case you're wondering about my knee i uh, wish i could tell you some big fancy story you know that i fell when i was um hand or something <laughs> but i'm afraid i was walking up my own front hall and just had a wee stumble and skidded into a wall and hit my knee right on the corner of a wall and fractured my kneecap <coughs> So that is why, and in case you're also wondering, I have no pockets in this dress. So you see, for the microphone, you have to put a wee thing in a pocket. So I didn't have any pockets, and then I thought, what about this yoke in my leg? So I'm not, I'm not the bionic woman, that is not. But it's not a great job. Holds it perfectly, you see. And these girls were laughing at me in the front row, but all right, God provides. So, yeah, here we are. We're starting off for another year, and if I'm right in counting, I think this is the 11th year that we're doing EGAS, and God has been faithful right through. And really felt, I felt even in uh, towards the end of the May there in June, really felt God putting the Gospel of Luke uh, in my heart. I felt it all summer, and I just feel that there's something about, as we go into this book, we're going to see, I believe, I believe God's going to speak to us all. And uh, yeah, I suppose I've just given you your notes here. We mightn't even go into all the stuff that's in the notes, but just to remind you that God is a God who keeps his word. That God is a word who has always spoken prophetically and his word always comes to pass. And remember in Genesis that he told the serpent that uh, he was going to send the Messiah, the one who would come through the, the seed of the woman, and he was going to cross his head. And I dreamt last night about an old serpent that was under my foot and he was vicious looking. But, you know, praise God, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because he has died for us and paid the price for us, we do not have to be intimidated. You know, he is under our feet. And so I just feel this morning that God wants to remind us that he keeps his word. And, uh, you know, if you read, we haven't time maybe to look into all of this, but in, in Malachi, the very last book in the Old Testament, Malachi prophesied that there would come a day when the son of righteousness would rise with healing in his wings. 
Isn't it amazing? And we can go into a whole lot of stuff about that, but we're not going to do that. But just to say that he was speaking about Jesus coming, and he then went on to talk about someone who would be, who would also come, who would be a forerunner to Jesus, who would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and prepare the word of the Lord. And we know, of course, that was going to be John the Baptist. So just to remind yourself, that's the backdrop that God had already spoken these things. And as we come into Luke's gospel, we see now these things beginning to take place according to God's timetable. You see, God has a timetable. We haven't time to, to read Galatians 4 and 4, but if you read it, it's talking about when the set time had come. Some translation says when the fullness of the time had come. See, God has a time scale. God has a, a, a calendar and he has a time scale for your life as well. And when things, when there's a, when the right time comes, he'll begin to move you into those things that maybe you haven't even realised yet. And so we're going to look at this, um, this gospel of Luke. We're going to realise that God's interested in you. He's interested in your background. He's interested in your culture. He's interested in everything about you. And I love the four gospels because they all come at it, like for different people groups, because God's into coming specifically to meet people's needs. And it's really interesting that the Gospel of Matthew was written by Matthew, who was a Jew, and it's, it's all about Jesus coming as king. See, the Jews were looking for a king. And Matthew's Gospel is written specifically for the Jewish people, and it's about how, it's all about the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's about how, about how uh, the genealogy takes us right back to King David. And so it's, that, that particular gospel is written very specifically with Jewish people in mind. And then Mark's gospel, he writes primarily for like the Roman mentality. Remember, the Romans were in charge at that time in history. And if you read that book, there's no genealogy because he, Mark was writing like to people who were just like slaves or servants. Just He was writing to, to people who, um, he's presenting Jesus as the, not the king, but the, the servant. And a servant doesn't need a genealogy, so there's no genealogy in Mark. And I just love the way he's writing for a Roman mentality. Because the Romans, they weren't interested in genealogy. They were interested in having servants. And the whole book of Mark's about straightway this and straightway that. Because it's full of action, and so you tell somebody to do it, and they do it. And it's presenting Jesus as a servant. And then the Gospel of Luke, he's presenting Jesus as a man, a perfect man. So Matthew's the king. Mark is the servant, and Luke's gospel is about speaking about this perfect man. And it's really, really interesting because this is speaking, this is speaking to uh, the Greek mentality. And you see, the Greeks were really into, they were into their, their, their philosophers. And one of their philosophers was Plato. And Plato, he actually spoke about the ideal man. So he was actually speaking to Greek people, and this was kind of the way they thought. Isn't it amazing that God can speak to different people groups and he knows how they tick, but he knows how you tick. And he knows how he's going to speak to you this morning. He knows exactly what he wants to say to you this morning. He's that kind of God. And so the genealogy in, in Luke goes right back to the very beginning, right back to Adam, because it's speaking to all men. It's, speak, it's showing him as the perfect man going right back to Adam. And then, of course, there's the, the Gospel of Luke and gospel of the gospel, or sorry, the gospel of John. And John starts off right away with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. 
And so John's gospel is presenting him as the real, true God, the Son of God. And uh, it's just amazing the, the way that these four, these four gospels show him as uh, the serpent, the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king, then the servant, then the real man, and then the uh, God. Jesus as God. And it's, I mean, this is just a wee aside, but you can look into it if you want. I've written in your notes there, uh, Revelation 4 and 7 and Ezekiel 1 and 10. But it's really interesting because in those chapters, the, the, the cherubim that are around the throne of God are said to be full of eyes. And actually what's mentioned there is four things. One is a lion. One is an ox, which is a serpent and beast, isn't it? An ox. The other one is uh, the head of a man, and the last one is an eagle. An eagle speaks of God being the godlike one. And so even in those little verses in Revelation and Ezekiel, I just love the way God's word is so rich. And there's like all these, these bits coming in that tie up. And listen, we never get to the bottom of it. We never come to the end. We never know it all. Because the Holy Spirit keeps showing us new things and showing us how God's Holy Spirit has already written these scriptures for us. To speak to us in our culture, in our need, and according to where we are in life. So we're going to look particularly at the Gospel of Luke. Luke was, uh, apparently, he was a very accurate historian, although he was a medical doctor. And apparently, Luke's the only one out of the Gospels that wrote things in sequence. So it's as they happen in sequence, whereas that's not the way it is in the other Gospels. And also, it's really important that we know that he wrote the Gospel, specifically the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote those two books specifically to a man called Theophilus. And I know that there was, lot, you know, over the years I would have heard different people having different ideas as to who he was, but I just thought it was interesting. I got myself a Jewish Bible. After being in Israel, I thought, I'm going to get a Jewish Bible. And really interesting that the commentary in the Jewish Bible has no doubt about who Theophilus is. Because according to Josephus, the historian, and according to archaeology around the, the Jewish quarter, those who were with us in the summer know that the Jewish quarter, through archaeology, they have found their records that Theophilus was actually one of the high priests around the time uh, in the early church. And so it seems that, 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 uh, that Luke was writing specifically to this Jewish priest so that he would understand for sure that these things happened. That, and Luke's very, very definite that he kept an accurate account. And it's like he wants the high priest to be sure that, that this is really of God. And so this is where it starts. So I'm going to read to you, I'm going to read to you from Luke's Gospel, and we'll take a few verses at a time. I want to talk to you about getting into position for God's best. I believe that we're going to see that today. But I also want to talk to you about disappointment. Because sometimes uh, disappointment can actually get us into position for God's best. But we still have to go through disappointment, and disappointment is not easy. It's a painful thing. So let's just read the first few verses from Luke's Gospel. Chapter 1, verse 1. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them, delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, this is Luke talking, it seemed good to me to write to you in an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. 
So it seems like he's wanting this high priest to know, listen, these things really did happen and they're happening. I'm going, to I'm going to record them in the proper way. And then he goes on to say, verse 5, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. I really want to talk today, and I want to be very, very real about this couple. Because I think there's a lot of us in here today, and I think there's probably little bits of disappointment that would still try to linger around us. And it's really interesting that the time that this story begins was in a very dark time in Israel's history. It was actually the time when Herod the Great ruled, and he was a wicked king who killed his wives and, and thought nothing of his killing a wife or, or a son or daughter the drop of a hat. He was a very wicked man. And he was in charge whenever we begin to come into this, um, this chapter. And the very first people that we're introduced to are uh, this couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and they are an old couple. So I guess we're talking to all ages today, but we're talking to older people as well. Because do you know what? This couple thought they were past it. Is there anybody in here that thinks they're past it? <laughs> right. Well, we need to set that straight right away. You are not past it. You are coming into your prime. I don't care what age you are. And we're going to look at this couple and we're going to see that uh, they were a lovely couple. Now, you can see from what we read that he was a priest. And he was a priest coming right down from the line of Aaron, the priesthood. Uh, it says they were both righteous walking in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord. And, and the Bible records they were blameless. They, they just love God. And the wee, the wee verse here that just gives us a bit of insight is that they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. You see, in those days, barrenness was a terrible curse on a woman. You know, if you, if you didn't have a child, the culture at that time was, like, people would have been whispering, you must have some secret sin because you, you don't have a child. And yet the Holy Spirit's very careful to record here that this couple were blameless. They were walking right before God. And you know, I just, I just think it's really important for us to recognise that, that whenever people talk about us in those kind of ways and make judgments about us, that actually they can cause extra pain. I'm guessing that, that both Elizabeth and Zacharias heard the whispers. You know, maybe they're not all put up to be. You know, maybe there's just some wee secret sin there. That's why she's barren. And, you know, comments like that can just add to her pain. Isn't that right? And so, you see, this is the backdrop to what we want to talk about today. It's about how this couple were still still operating in service to the Lord. Even though they were disappointed, and even though they were now old, they were still serving faithfully in the temple. And it says in verse 7, so it was that while Zechariah was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, that according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. We're going we're gonna to come back to this a bit next week and we'll talk a little bit about the lot. I'm not going to get into that this week, but I want to look at that next week. 
But very interesting that even though this couple were disappointed, he is still serving, and he's serving in the temple. And you see, it says that when the whole multitude of the people were praying outside, that then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Sorry, I think my hair is hidden into this thing. Is that what it is? Is that better? Jane? Is that better? Um, so here's a picture. They've been disappointed, and yet they're continuing to serve God. And you see, in order for Zacharias to be called to do this special function, any priest would only have been called on this once in a lifetime. And many a time, it, they actually would have lived and died and never been called. So this was probably a highlight in his life, for him to be called to do this, this performance uh, in the priest, uh, in, as, as a priest in the temple. And all of the people were waiting outside, and this is a big deal for Zacharias. And Zacharias is standing and he is performing this at the altar of incense. That's where, that's where the worship was. The altar of incense was symbolic of worship going up to heaven. And it was while he was at this altar that the angel appeared to him. Isn't it amazing that God uh, loves us to worship and that so often it's when we're worshipping that we get uh, insight and revelation and, and, and have a, a touch from God. There's something about worshipping that's so important, girls, especially whenever we're disappointed. There's something about worshipping. So he is worshipping and he is standing at the altar of incense. And it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw this angel, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people who are prepared for the Lord. So get the picture. Zacharias is standing and he has, he has known disappointment somewhere past, probably years and years before, because he's an old man now. And the, the angel says to him, God has heard your prayers. But it's interesting because in the Hebrew, the, the way that that is written, it's actually written in the past tense. And what it actually means is the prayers that you used to hear. God, God has heard the prayers that you used to pray. That's what it means. So somewhere along the line, Zacharias had stopped praying those prayers. And I'm guessing, and I think it's probably fair to say, that somewhere along the line, whenever in the natural it became evident that Elizabeth was not going to be able to bear children. Somewhere along the line, in the natural, they both decided it's not going to happen. And they both experienced disappointment. Now I wonder here, is there anybody brave enough to say that, that they've gone through disappointment? I'm putting my hand up. Is there anybody that hasn't gone through disappointment? Well, listen, this couple knew what it was to go through disappointment. And you know, they had battled on. They had battled on, and I don't know how they'd gone through it. I don't know how they'd managed to, to, to move on, but they'd continue to serve God. And God breaks this over them that they were both blameless. 
you know, many of the time people give Zacharias a hard time. I'm not going to give him a hard time because I think he was a great guy. We're going to talk a bit more about him next week, but I really want to talk about the disappointment this week. Because, you know, in my spirit, I've sensed that I, had, I was going to do a whole big load more this week. And a few nights ago, I just felt God said to me, ah, 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 get rid of a whole load of that. You need to talk about disappointment. And so that's what I want to do today. Because, you know, in the summer, whenever this happened to my leg, I mean, it's no big deal. This is no big deal. And God has been so gracious to me and I've been able to get through it. And it's, it's been a very different summer to what I had planned. But, you know, he was so good. He t- still took us off to Fort Aventura. And if you'd have seen us heading off in wheelchairs at the airport, me and William sitting up in the wheelchair, being pushed around, sure, it was great. <laughs> Whole new adventure. And actually, we were, we were silly enough, we didn't ask for help. We, we asked for the wheelchairs, but, but they'd said, so you can manage to get onto the plane. And we said, oh, yes, we can. Well, I wish you'd have seen the cup of William and Jane and me getting onto that plane. They'd give us room to get ahead of everybody. And William was, or Jane was going first with two hand luggage. You know what it's like to get one up, she's two, and a bad back. And William, he's come behind. He never has to carry any, like we always do his. He had one. So he was pulling and making a big deal of it. And I'm coming behind on these two crutches up each step. Well, honest to goodness, girls, if you'd have seen Jane, she was going through the swing because she was going to do it in one big sweep. And then the man at the top, you know, that what he called the stewardess, he's not the stewardess, he's a steward. He's standing at the top and he goes like this. <laughs> and she's stopping full blow. And everybody stopped. And I thought, Jane's never going to get that lit. We're never going to get it in the swing again. So we kept us standing there and we're all going. And honestly, I took a fit of laughing on those steps. And I thought, I would love an aerial shot of this. <laughs> but anyway, we're wise enough on the way back. We got, they took us, lifted us in and out and the whole works. But anyway, that was good crack getting on. But sure, it's an adventure. And we took it as an adventure. But you know, at some stage over this last month or two, a very simple incident happened to me. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but a very, very simple thing. And you know, I found some stuff in my spirit starting to rise up in grief. Stuff that happened to me when I was a young girl. And grief started coming up. And I found myself in tears and weeping, not just a few wee tears, but from the gut. And you know, I, it just made me realise that we can carry stuff and think we've dealt about it. And think of it all sorted. And yet, you know what? God continually wants to set us free at deeper levels. There's all these different levels. And, you know, he wanted me to weep and he wanted me to get some of that stuff out. But the interesting thing was that a great friend of mine called Honor, who lives down in Bangor, that she's been going through some stuff. And I have her permission to tell you a little bit about it. But the two of us have kind of journeyed together over the summer. And it's been about disappointment. Because Honor has suffered with blindness from she has been in her um, probably in her twenties when she had just uh, given birth to her second child. She took this serious illness and has a, just a little bit of sight, you know, from that time on. And then we heard about this amazing uh, operation where they took a tooth out and put the t- took uh, put the tooth in your eye and a little camera and all the rest of it. And she went through that in phases over the last. Well, I suppose the whole process has been over the last year, maybe even more, and back and forwards to England to get um, to get operations done. And some of you might have seen it on television. There was a program on about her and how this operation and how she was beginning to see, you know, colours and and you know it looked like it was going to become a success. And 
the last the last uh, report had just gone out where I don't know if anyone and put your hand up if you saw the thing about honour on TV. Well, it showed you her children coming to the door and how she could see them in the door and, and the joy of being able to see her grandchildren. And uh, do you know it was only a few days after that when something happened and she knew something had happened and eventually when she went over to England realised that the retina, the back of this eye, had come off completely and they could do nothing with it. And honour is now in darkness. Disappointment. And the little thing that I had was nothing, but we have been able to share and talk about this. And this is what I want to talk about to, to you about, because so often we are not real about our disappointments. We just say, oh, it's okay, I'm, all, I'm fine, I'm over that. Do you know what? We need to be real. And we need to talk to God about it. And so there's a few things that I really want to say about disappointment. I want to talk to you about just a few things that Honor and I have been talking about over the summer. And I want to be real. And I want to say to you that the first thing that Honor and I uh, realised, the first thing was that God is good. He's a good God. And Honor kept saying to me, no matter what happens, we've got to remember that God is good. We don't understand, but we've got to remember that God is good. And we've got to remember that God is love. And so those are the things that Honor and I have been talking about over these past weeks. And we have been sharing this. And, you know, Honor's journey was, was much harder than mine, obviously. Mine's nothing compared to it. And yet, you know what? God doesn't look at our grief and say, oh, this is more important than that, or that's, that's harder than that. God wants all of us to know his comfort. God wants all of us to actually walk through the disappointment and be real about it so that we can come out the other end and we can come out healed. And you see, the thing that I have discovered about Zacharias and Elizabeth, that actually they were disappointed. But you know what? God had another plan that was even greater. They had no idea what God was planning for them. That they were going to have the honour of having a supernatural child in old age who would prepare the way of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That they had no idea the big plan and they were faithful to go through that and to continue serving and to continue loving God and continuing on that day. And it was in the daily service that the angel came. It was when Zacharias was doing, you know, what he, what he knew he should be doing as a priest. And it was in that moment that the angel came and gave him the promise. We're going to talk a bit more about him next week, but I want to leave it there for now. You see, we need to know that when hard times hit us, when we get a disappointment, when the thing that we had prayed for doesn't happen, whenever uh, we feel in some way the enemy telling us that God has let us down, we need to know that God is good. And we need to know that God is always good. You know, I love 1 Timothy 4, verse 4. It says, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. And you see, I have learned over the years that to say thank you, God, even for the things that I don't like, is a, is a great job. It, it seems that it's like, it's like shooting in a, a, a pain, you know one of those injections you get for your teeth to numb your gums? It seems to like shoot in something when you say in faith, thank you God, I do it all the time. But you know, sometimes the disappointment is so deep that you actually need a bit of space. You need a bit of time to be able to go through, through a process of saying thank you. 
Sometimes it's just so deep. And you know, when Honor, when this first happened to Honor and, and she got the prognosis that, that there was nothing they could do, and actually she was ending up with less sight than she had before the whole process. She's no sight now. She's, you know, it's gone. And, and, you know, when this first happened, she said, you know, what I need to do, Maureen, is I need to keep reminding myself, I need to keep declaring God is good. And that's, that's what I'm saying. We need time. And God gave honour time. And I want to tell you about her journey and where she is now in her journey. Because over the summer, she has been going through this disappointment. And so we need to know that God is good. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion in all that he has made. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Psalm 119 says, You are good and you do good. We need to know that God is good and we need to know it as fact. So whatever happened, and this is what Honor kept saying, whatever has happened to me, Honor kept saying, I know God's good. I know that God hasn't said, I'm going to put this on you. God is good. And, and God is going to, we don't understand it, all the conversations we had about sickness and all the rest of it. Listen, there's so many people who say, oh, you know, you just name it and claim it and it'll be healed. And, you know, praise God, sometimes God does do the healing. And we want to give thanks for God has healed people over the summer we were celebrating in the prayer room this morning. And sometimes that happens. But sometimes there's a disappointment. And in this disappointment for honour, they weren't able to cure her eyes. It went wrong. And so she kept declaring, I don't understand it. But I'm going to continue to say that God is good. And then I think it was really important, and we talked about this, how God gives us permission to tell him how we feel. You know, he wants us to tell him. And uh, Lamentation says, pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Isn't it amazing that God wants you to tell him your troubles? And not just a few wee words, but to pour your heart out. <laughs> Pour your heart out before the face of the Lord. And, and Honor and I use that word lament a lot through the summer. Because sometimes when we're going through tough stuff, we need to be real and we need to lament. And we need to get the grief out. And we need to bring it before the face of the Lord. Psalm 142 verse 2 says, I will pour out my complaint before him and tell him all my troubles. Isn't that amazing? That he wants us. He wants us to come into his presence and he wants us just to pour it all out there. And you know, when I was in Fortaventura, I hadn't gone down to the beach every day because it was difficult with this. But the last three days, I decided I was going to go down no matter what. And uh, as I'm hobbling along these crutches along the beach in Fortaventura, you know, I just poured my heart out. I was down there for ages every day, just pouring my heart out. And that's a good thing to do. And you know, when we pour our hearts out, and there's something about actually speaking it out verbally, not just in your mind, but speaking it out and telling the Lord how you really feel, there's something about that that gives release and something that gives God pleasure. He wants us to be real and pour out our troubles to him and tell him how we really feel. And then, of course, God calls us to trust him and to trust him in the darkest moments. You know, during the time that Honor got this news in the beginning, you know, one of the things that she decided was that she was going to declare that God was good and that she was going to, to declare his love over her and know that his love was on her, that God was love and that God was good. And she began to speak out that she was going to trust his word. And you know what she did? Because she can't... 
read the words now, she can only listen to recordings. But you know what she did? She listened to Psalm 91. She found a girl who sings the scriptures. And every night she would listen to that over and over again. Let it get into her soul. She found the same girl uh, has a few other scriptures that she also sings, but Psalm 91 was really, really precious. You know, underneath the wings of the Almighty, that hidden place. And that's where she spent her time. And we just spoke together, talked about it, prayed about it, prayed for each other, shared with each other different things that we felt God wanted us to, to bring before him and starting to really put his word out there and starting to declare it and to sing it. And you know, as she's singing his word, something was happening. Something was happening over these last few months. And so, you see, God's word is so powerful. And God wants us to trust him. Psalm 119, Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever your word is settled in heaven. And Psalm 86 and 7 says, In the day of trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. So God wants us to take his word and to believe it and to stand on it. And Isaiah 50 verse 10 says, Whoever walks in darkness and has no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. I'll tell you something. That's what we need to do. That's what Honor has been doing. And so over these past months, we've been journeying together and we've been sharing how it's so important to be real with God. And I'm not saying that you go back and dig into your past and start thinking, what do I need to look there that I went through? Not at all. Only if the Holy Spirit brings up something or if you're feeling a grief about something or a heaviness, then I would suggest that you start to talk to God. Start to pour it out before God. Come and get prayer ministry if you need to. But get it out there. Get it out there and start to tell the Lord and bring the stuff into the light. Because the enemy works in darkness and he wants you to keep that grief down and stuff it down there and pretend. He wants you to be a great pretender. He wants you to keep it in there and not bring it out. And God said, no, bring it out to my face. And that's what Honor and I were doing, bringing the stuff out, telling God about it and, and, and beginning to speak out his word. And you know what? God doesn't expect us to know all the answers and all the reason why. He doesn't. Because he's God and you're you. And we don't understand it all. But you know what? God is a God who wants to take us through. Now I wanted to read you something. I think I can find where I wrote it down here. That many bits and, pieces, bits and pieces of paper here. But I, I, I read this last night. Yes, here it is. This is a quote from Philip Yancey. And here's what he says. One bold message in the book of Job is that you can say anything to God. Throw at him your grief, your anger, your doubt, your bitterness, your betrayal, your disappointment, because God can absorb them all. As often as not, spiritual giants of the Bible are shown contending with God. That's because they prefer to go away limping like Jacob, rather than to shut God out. See, that's what a lot of us do. We kind of just get our disappointment and we just push the Lord back a little bit. And we just keep that disappointment around us. And we get on with things. 
And maybe even like Zechariah, we're going through the emotions and we're doing what God's called us to do, but there's still some wee thing that's unhealed there. There's something that God wants to do to set you free. I also read this quote last night. It says, sometimes what we think is disappointment is really God getting us into position to go to a new level. You see, this couple had gone through disappointment, but it was actually getting them into position to be able to bring forth John the Baptist, who would prepare the way of the Lord. And then another little thing that I thought was quite cute. Feeling disappointment? Take off the D, disappointment. Put an H, and instead of disappointment, you get his appointment. And so God was giving this couple an appointment and at the right time, they were going to bring forth, Elizabeth was going to bring forth this child. And God was doing a new thing. It was the entrance into a whole new day. And I want to share with you that Honor is going through, has gone through a lot of stuff over the summer. She never liked going out with a long cane, but she had started a good while, a wee bit with a long cane. But now that her sight's deteriorated, she has started stepping out with a long cane. And I don't know if any of you know what a long cane looks like, but I did the training myself when I was in my 30s and under blindfold. I did the training in, in London and worked with blind people for a long, long time. You have a big long cane in front of you and you learn to put it back and forth, big long white one. You step out and step. And Honor said to me, you know, she said, we talked a lot about how when we step out in faith, God's with us for each step, a step at a time. And she says, you know, Every time I swing that cane round, I just know the Holy Spirit's with me. And she says, I'm walking and God is walking with me. Do you know what, girls? That, that is amazing for her. <laughs> She's blind. She's totally dependent. But do you know what? God wants us to step out and trust him a step at a time. Because do you know what? None of us know what's up ahead. And he just wants us to trust him. And to know that he is good. And to know that his plans... Listen, Romans 8 and 28 says that he works all things together for good. But he wants us to be real about the disappointment. And to allow ourselves to grieve it. And to be real. Because you know what? The more that you go through, and the more that you grieve and let God heal, the sharper you become. Do you realise that? The more pain that you go through and allow God to heal you and take you through and bring you out the other end, I'll tell you, it makes you sharper. It brings you out. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Isn't that right? Proverbs tells us that. But you know, Proverbs 13 tells us also that when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. God wants us to know life and to know it more abundantly. And we're stepping out into a new season. And we don't all have long canes because we don't need them. But you know, as we walk through dark places in our lives, and many of you are going through stuff, and I don't know anything about it, but God knows. And he wants you to know today and to be, to be reminded today that he is good, that he loves you, that he has a plan for you, and it mightn't look as though that plan has been worked out. But he wants you to take your spiritual long cane and step out and trust him and let him lead you forward. You know, Honor and I talked about Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. 
I didn't know that her Bible study in, in her church in Bangor had started to do this. And I started to tell her about how God had put this in my heart for today. And we couldn't believe it, that she also had been thinking about this man. And you know, as we shared together, uh, we just were reminded that uh, we could, both of us were nearly crying <laughs> because at the idea of this couple going through so many years, month after month, hoping for a child, God seemingly oblivious to it all, to think that they were so disappointed. And all the time, look what God was planning. Look what God had up his sleeve. And so today I want to say to you ladies, and we're going to wind up now in a wee moment, but I want to say to you that you don't know what God has in store for you, but I want to tell you this, it's good. And he's a good God, and he loves you. And he wants to work all those things together that you think were wrong and you think shouldn't have happened. As I look back in my life as a child of 12, 13, 14, 15, those teenage years, as I look back, those things, I think in the natural shouldn't have happened. But you know what? God was doing something inside. It's preparation. The stuff that he thinks is the worst stuff in your life is what he wants to turn around to bring you into the best plans of your life. God is good. And so we're going to be reminded today just about Zacharias and Elizabeth. And we're going to sing the song together. And the song is, It is well. It is well with my soul. Because we need to declare this over ourselves. Do you know what Honor said to me? She said, you know, the times whenever I didn't want to thank him, the times that I was saying, please, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Please, Lord, heal me. This is what she was saying to me over the summer. I don't want this cup. And I've told the Lord I don't want this cup. But then she said every so often she would say, but I'm going to speak to my soul. I'm going to tell my soul to thank him and to trust him. And sometimes we need to speak to our soul. Sometimes we need to speak and say, you know what? Soul, that's your body, mind, spirit. Get into line. Start praising. Because you know what? The spirit of praise removes and replaces a spirit of heaviness. And so we, we need to speak to our soul. We need to give thanks. And we need to continue to believe his word. And speak his word over ourselves. Speak it until you feel the shift. Honor said to me a, a couple of days ago, begin to step out now. Begin to feel coming out the other end. She's going to speak somewhere this, this weekend coming. God's beginning already to open doors for her to share and minister specifically into people who have gone through disappointment. So listen, ladies, let's stand and let's sing this as a declaration over ourselves that it is indeed well with our soul. Lord, if there's anyone in here this morning and they don't know you as Saviour, if they've never put their trust in you, if they have never understood that you died on the cross to pay the price for their sins, if they have never acknowledged you as Saviour and Lord and invited you to come into their lives and forgive their sin and to live by your Holy Spirit within them, God, if there's anyone here, I pray that you would speak to them, that they will come even up at the end, Lord, that we could point them to you. Lord, we pray that there might be even salvation in this house today. Lord, that there might be someone who will pass from death into life. Lord, I just pray that you will move by your Holy Spirit right now. And, oh God, I just pray that you will uh, put your word deep into our hearts. Pray, oh God, that you would sow your word. Lord, that over these next days and weeks and months, Lord, as we meet together, that you will do mighty things. That, Lord, that you will do great wonders among us. Thank you, Lord, that you're calling us to get into position. And the first place to be is to be standing right with God, sins forgiven, knowing who we are in Christ. 
And Lord, I thank you you're going to do mighty things over these next weeks. That we just, we even just speak it over this group today. That you are going to do wonderful things in this next season. And we praise you and thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you, Father God, for giving your Son for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.